Welcome to the Board Game Design Lab podcast. Each week, we want to bring you an insightful interview on a specific topic in board game design to help you design and create games people love. And now, here's your host, Gabe Barrett. What's up, my friends? Welcome to the Board Game Design Lab. Today, we're talking about graphic design and we're talking about branding. We're talking about how those two things are interrelated and how they uh, work out in the board game world. We're talking to Daniel Aronson, who runs his own ad agency called Treehouse Creative. Daniel, welcome to the show, man. Good to be here, man. Good to be here. Yeah. Now, Daniel, you're a Board Game Design Lab community member. Your guy's been listening to the show for a while. You're part of the community. So, hey, it's really cool to uh, have you not only as a listener, but now as a guest. Yeah, absolutely. I usually mow my lawn when I'm listening to you, so <laughs> I had to mow my lawn yesterday instead of today. Yeah, well, I'm glad to be along for the for the ride as far as the the mowing of the lawn, and you know, I'm glad that you know you can listen to this and something a little bit better than just the 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 loud whir of the, the yeah, lawnmower. Yeah, you know? absolutely. <laughs> well, cool, man. Well, I'm excited to get into this. This is stuff I don't know a whole lot about. You know, I'm not an art guy. I'm not a graphic design guy. I I'm just not. So this is something I am yeah. really interested in. I'm excited to talk to you about it. But first, tell people who you are. Tell you about. Tell them about your uh, your ad agency. You know why you're an expert and talking about this stuff. Um, I've been doing graphic design. I'm kind of a jack of all trades, just in the marketing world. Um, just because all these kind of things blend together in terms of marketing, especially in this day and age where. You could be specialized in video, you could be specialized in taking pictures, you could be specialized in graphic design, but you really need to be kind of good at all the different stuff. So there's just a lot that goes into all of it, but we're I have an ad agency here, and there's three of us guys and a couple freelancers. Um, we've been doing it for about 10 years now, and the reason I started listening to you guys is because we just, just kind of happened to start making games. Yeah. And just started making games and all kind of, it was a different perspective on it from me and the couple guys here because we're starting to design the game. We're looking at the mechanics and as we're creating mechanics, we start thinking, Oh, we should market it like this. But then we had to stop and say, wait, wait, we're not going to start marketing until we have a great game. (laughs) So from our, a lot of people, when they're building a game, they build the game and then they start marketing it. We kind of were thinking about the marketing the whole way down the road. So it was a little bit of a different perspective just because of who we are here. Yeah, and well, tell me a little more how you got into games. So you said you just kind of fell into it, but tell me about like the, the genesis of it. Well, it, I mean, I've, I feel like I've always just been kind of creating games. Like here at the, at the Treehouse, we have monthly employee games. We got all this for employee of the month. We're always making up new games for all sorts of stuff. And just all the time, we're just always making games. And we, um, for one of the employees of the month, we started just designing this little game. Just thought it'd be fun. And it's just started rolling out. And we were like, you know what? This is really cool. This is really fun. We started bringing it out to other people and people we didn't know. And they started having really fun with it. And it, uh, it just kept kind of rolling from there. So Yeah. Now, is that the game El Dorado? Yeah, the island yeah. of El Dorado. Yep. yep. Yeah. And I saw it the other day. I was looking at your uh, – you sent me the link to the Kickstarter. Like you're, you're working yeah. on a Kickstarter, which I'm interested to talk to you a little bit about some different yeah. things Kickstarter-wise. But the game looks 
amazing. Now, obviously, I hadn't played it, but it looks really, really good. And so you obviously know what you're talking about as far as this graphic design stuff, man. Uh, I, good luck with the project. Is there a, a launch date? You got that thing coming out anytime soon? Yeah, it's coming uh, August 29th. August 29th. Gotcha. Yeah, set the Kickstarter. So it's uh, interesting that we're, we're always advertising other people's products and figuring out how to market other people's products. It's a whole different world when it's ours and it's our baby. And we yeah. tried to do, put our best foot forward and from the marketing perspective. Yeah, for sure. Well, it's a game that looks good. Well, and that's, let's get to talking about that. Let's talk about graphic design. So tell me about graphic design as it relates to board games. Because graphic design can mean a lot of different things, different spaces. Tell me what your thoughts are as far as board games go. So from a graphic design perspective, there's just it, – it does so much for your game. It, it, can, it can give you one feeling. If you graphic have specific fonts or something, it gives a whole different feeling than if you have – really solid fonts if you have a really if there's a font that looks like it's paintings and all that kind of stuff it's a different feeling than if it's just helvetica and just blocky but that's what the whole thing about games is is you're trying to get people a feeling and an experience and the graphic design it all just ties into that yeah for sure now tell me let's talk a little more about font choices now that's something uh, that maybe people don't think a lot about but yeah. it's probably more important than, than people realize. So talk to me a little more about fonts. Um, so for the Eldorado, we have four fonts. And from just from a creative perspective, I would suggest not doing any more than that. So we have the logo font, and the only time we use it is in the logo. We have a header, subheader, and text, and that's it. Um, the logo font, it can be – for Eldorado, we have a super fun, just really cool – it's not especially legible just because that's the font that the logo is. And that's just what starts to give the feeling. But the other fonts are more functional. And that's the other thing about graphic design and board games. You have to t- marry together functionality with beauty of the, of the whole thing. Yeah, it's a great point. I received some dice in the mail a while back. I, I, I backed this Kickstarter and I didn't want the full game, but I wanted to throw the, the designer a few dollars. And so he had like a $5 tier and you could support the game and you get like a few dice. And it had the yeah. font of the, a lot of other parts of the game on the dice. And it was so hard to read the numbers. Like it was this really cool science fiction font. And it was like, it's a cool thing. But I was looking at it, I was like, I'm never going to use these dice because it would like take too long yeah. to discern like, what is that an eight? Is that a nine? Like what is that? It was just yep. so weird. And so that's something yep. to really think about uh, when you're, designing your games and your graphic design. Now, as far as your fonts go, are you using the, the, the three different ones on your cards and stuff like that to make it really easy to tell like which parts, which like why, why use three different fonts as opposed to one or two? Well, the, yeah. So the three different fonts that are pretty dramatically different, the, the header font is big and bold. The subheader font is small and italic. And the third one is just basic text. So you, you, if you used all the same font, everything would blend together and it would look like just a lot of text. Yeah. If you use all the three different ones, you have to point the the viewer's eyes to what you want them to see and guide them along the path as they're reading something. And that goes with all graphic design, not just the card. Even with the rule book, you got to have you're you're guiding them in there. If you're so, I make a lot of videos, and with videos, you can guide people. You're you're starting at zero seconds. You're going to two minutes. People are just going to watch it all the way through. They're not going to jump around. But with text, people are going to jump around wherever they please. So if you have the big and bold fonts, 
you could direct them a little bit. No, that's a great point. And have you found it's better to use a slightly different font as opposed to just using a different font size? Like to have a different font, is that just better? Yep. And a lot, there was there's one part in my rule book actually where I have um, the move. I have move, gather, explore, and I used different fonts. And then I had different colors for each one of those. And I coordinated them. Those colors only popped up when I was talking about that thing throughout the whole book. So people could they associate that color with that thing. So for example, the attack section, every time I talked about combat, I made it red. So people knew that combat was going on in the rule book. Yeah, no, it makes a lot of sense. Now, when you're finding these fonts, do you go out and buy them? Or like, how do you how do you get fonts for your games? There's, there's tons of ways of doing it. I... I don't buy a lot of fonts just because there's a lot of people out there, a lot of great font artists that give them away for free. I use fontsquirrel.com. There's tons on there. Um, yeah, there's just lots of places to look for them. But just the thing you got to remember is the readability. Yeah, for sure. I think readability and then, like you said earlier, experience. Like what, what you want the game to feel like. It's so yeah. important. Now, do you have any, any advice for finding the right font for the game? Because, I mean, this is something you could get lost in for days because there's millions yeah, of oh, fonts. Yeah. So any advice yep. on somebody trying to find the right font? So when I'm, when I'm picking a logo font, I, I usually start at thecreativemarket.com and I just start searching. I'm just looking around at different fonts. And usually I print out I, – I put the – the text in the font and I print out maybe 10 different ones. I put them up on the wall and I just leave them there for like two weeks and just, which one do I like? Do I like it? Because the thing about the logo is that that can't change mm -hmm. no matter what, because that's your brand that you're building right. and that's the experience that you're building. So yeah, it's a great point. I'm excited to talk more about branding in a minute. Let's jump back into just the general graphic design. Let's let's talk a little bit more why this is so important and why why if you don't do this well, it could really just mess up your whole your whole game. So I've built a couple apps, and that's another way that experience of building apps has given me a little bit of insight on building games. Because when you're when you're building an app, it's all about the user experience, and you're you're guiding them to click on what you want. You're um, you're telling them what to do, but they can kind of do their own thing if they want to. So you're kind of guiding them down the path you want them to. And that's kind of the same thing with web design. You're trying to do all these different things to get them to click on that contact button. Right. But from a game perspective, people are going to make their own choices, but you just got to kind of guide them down the path. Yeah, for sure. Now, a lot of people I've talked to, they they – classify art and graphic design as the same thing they just think of it oh it's just it's all art yeah. it's all you might be graphics but it's still in in the art let's talk about the differences and why the difference is so important so from my perspective so for el dorado we actually did something kind of special with art we i was searching for artists i couldn't find anything specific that i wanted so i because it's set in uh, like 1500 right so we actually found the metropolitan in new york they just released 275,000 images mm -hmm. to public domain. And that's, those are, that is art from the 1500. So it just, it was the exact feel. So that's what we actually use for all the art in the game. Um, so these paintings from long ago. So from my perspective, when we were building our game, the art and the graphic design were completely different right. because the art make it, it creates this world and it creates this universe universe and the design helps guide you through the universe yeah for sure now let's go a little deeper though let's let's talk about because i've seen some games and it's actually kind of hard to tell where art 
ends and graphic design begins. And sometimes it can be a little muddy, so to speak, where it's kind of hard to tell, okay, um, is this text, is this just uh, flavor text or do I need, really need to read this? You know, is this part like, let's, let's talk a little bit more about how uh, the art and the graphic design need to work together and, and not necessarily uh, run together. I think the graphic design needs to be very, very functional. Yeah. And the art needs to be, what's the word here? It right. needs to bring you into the universe. Yeah. It needs to be art. The, the design is functional. It's supposed to be there to make you to tell to give you information and to um, guide you down a path of what you're supposed to do. Because when people when people are playing around a table, they don't want to take 45 minutes and figure out how to play the game. Right. Especially like a lot of times you can figure out beforehand, but if you're sitting around a table, you want to just play and just be there in the moment and take the experience of where you want it to be. Yeah. Now, do you have any advice as far as like where to start? You know, should I contact an artist first? Should I contact a graphic designer first? Like where should I begin? I would start, I personally would start with the artist. I would start with the artist and get that because that's creating the universe that you want to be in. And then I would find someone else to do the graphic design. I would find a graphic designer. And the thing about graphic design is the simpler, the better, because it's functional and you want it to be clear. So you can find some not that expensive graphic designers out there for sure. And you just got to be super clear with them that it's simple, 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 just to be functional. <laughs> right. And I think you just made a really good other point in that find someone else to do the graphic design. It's rare to find an artist who's also a really good graphic designer and so just going in if you get the two for one discount a lot of times you end up paying more money in the long run so i think that's another yeah really good yeah, point yeah. because they are so different having two different people do it you're the one in control because you can tell the artist hey we i want it to the universe to look this way and you tell the graphic designer hey i want them to use this card in this direct in this way yeah. Now, as far as marrying those two together, so you have the art, you know, let's say you have the art done, you send that off to the graphic designer. Any advice on what to tell that, that person as far as making it look good? Because, I mean, if he comes in with his own ideas and he just throws something on top, it's real obvious when it doesn't, like, fit or it doesn't match up well. So any advice on that? On that? Um, just from a client perspective, I've had a lot of clients where it doesn't – so if I'm the graphic designer here in this situation – a client comes to me and they just give me little tidbits of information about what they want. I, as a graphic designer, don't really, I just kind of take my own take on it. So if the best graphic design comes when the designer knows the experience you're trying to create. So if it's getting with them and actually playing the game, so they know how everything's supposed to work. So you sit with them and actually, so they can feel what you want them to feel that can kind of help guide them down the right path just from a graphic designer perspective. Giving direction to the graphic designer is a super important thing. Yeah, for sure. I think that's something a lot of people, they, they just don't think about. They, they have the idea in their head of what it's supposed to look like, but then they don't communicate that effectively, and then they get upset when they, they get something back and it's not exactly what they wanted. It's like you need to yep. write down these details as much as you can. Because one thing I found yeah. working with artists and graphic designers in the past is the more instruction, the more communication you have, the better the whole experience is. Like, like graphic designers want you to tell them what you want. They don't want to just kind of figure it out for themselves. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Now, let me just let's back up just for a second. Since you are a graphic designer, what? And, and just thinking about you know contacting graphic designers and all that. Give me some advice as far as what their relationship should look like. As far as what's the best way 
to send that information? Should I should I write it all down? Should I send you a bunch of pictures and ideas? Write it out in yep. an email? Like, what's the best way to communicate that information? So the, the it's just because graphic designers are artists in a way, they have their own side of it too. So it's your game, but they f- sometimes feel like it's their art that they're giving you to use. Sure. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And so they have their own perspective on it. So the way that I work best is if I actually get together with someone and we figure out we both have passion for the same project. Because that's when you can pay someone tons and tons of money, but if they don't have the passion for your project, it's not going to be what you want it to be. Yeah. But as far as like communicating, what do you prefer as far as communication of my idea, trying to get my idea out of my, out of my brain and onto your page? Like, how do I do that? Effectively? Yeah. I meeting with someone face to face. Okay. Just talking it out. Yeah. Just talking it out just playing maybe during while playing the game. So then I'm start, I'm a graphic designer. I'm playing with your paper prototype. I'm looking at the cards playing with the designer. We're playing back and forth a little bit. And we can talk while we're playing about the design. And I know that's not always going to be the ideal situation, but there's always, there's so many graphic designers out there and a lot of them are very, very good. So I bet a lot of people can find them locally. Yeah, for sure. And I can just see the value in playing the game because all of a sudden as a, as a graphic designer, you're going to see how the game needs to function. You're going to see where the numbers need to be and where the, the words need to be and all those different things. And so I can see a lot of value in just sitting down and playing the game in prototype form. Yeah, we have some resource cards in our game. And originally we had the iconography in the center of the card, right? So we're playing with that. And we're, you, when you hold six cards, you can't see the center of it. <laughs> right. So we put it in the top corners. And that makes sense from a graphic designer perspective. So if they don't know how you're actually going to use the card, right. they don't know where to put things. Right. And also I think as a graphic designer, you know, like you're, you're an expert. I am not an expert in graphic design. And so if I tell you, hey, I want the design, I want the icon in the center of the card, well, you can come back and go, well, that's not going to work. You're right. And yeah, so functionally, it doesn't make sense. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think that's another really good thing is, is be open to change some things based on the expert's opinion. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Graphic designers know little tips and tricks of how people use things. Yeah. Absolutely. And now let's talk about that. Let's talk about the usability. Uh, is this just. How, how have you figured out these different usability things over over time? Is he, have you read any books? Like, is there anything I can like point people to to say, hey, read this book or anything like that? Um, I would just, I think it's just being observant okay. of how things work. I'll, there's a lot of times there's no need to reinvent the wheel in graphic design. There is graphic design everywhere, and just being observant of, hey, that's kind of strange that that icon is in the corner of the card. Hey, that makes sense that it's over here. And just over time, if you're always observing that kind of stuff, you start to absorb it a little bit. Yeah, and I think it's it's dangerous to try to do a bunch of new stuff in general, especially when you're talking about graphic design. Like, yes, as people, yeah. we have wired ourselves to expect certain things. Like, e- even like usability. If I'm thinking, if I get in my, if I got in a new car and the seat belt was on the other side it would be super strange and like it would take me a long, long time to realize like, oh, it's, oh, it's on the other side. I have to like totally rewire my brain. Well, the same thing yep. in, in cards or boards or whatever. Uh, don't, don't feel like you got to do something different just to do something different. Like if it doesn't make sense for it to be different for your game, it, it's probably better off if you just kind of go with the norms of what people are expecting. Yeah, we, had, we were building these player cards that were, it shows how much everything costs in our game. And we brought out like 15 different ones. We set them all on the table. We we're like, oh, we like 
how this one's layout, but we also like how this one uses this over here. We looked at all the different ones and we just morphed it all together. Yeah. Now let's let's keep traveling down this road and talk about user experience. So how how does the graphic design really enhance or destroy, to be honest, uh, the user experience? Yeah. So a lot of graphic design it it has a tone to it. So if you're looking at let's take two fantasy realms, Magic the Gathering and Zelda. Okay, they're both fantasy but they feel completely different. Right. And that has to do with the art and the graphic design, a lot of it. Because Zelda, that genre of game, it has these bold, bright colors and all these bulky letters, and that's great, but it doesn't feel like Magic the Gathering. So you just have to, you have to know which tone you want before you go into it. And the tone also kind of determines your target market, too. Right. No, I think that's a great point. You have to really think about who's going to be buying this game, who's going to be playing it. Yeah. If it's going to be families, then that graphic design is probably going to be a little different than if it's just like hardcore yep. gamers. And so yep. thinking through that before you start contacting graphic designers, I, I do believe it's yeah. the best way to go and have an yes, idea of what absolutely. you want. Yeah. If, the, if the graphic designer knows the feel you want and the experience you want, they can help create that. Like we, for El Dorado, we wanted it to be serious. We wanted it to be um, full of mystery. So we took that throughout the whole thing. And so the, our box is just a black box with the text on it because it's mysterious and it looks serious. And it just, it creates that whole experience. And I can think of, you know, if you want a game uh, to have an experience of being a little bit chaotic, well, we'll make your font a little bit chaotic. Make, make yep. the way things are, are laid out a little bit chaotic because it's just going to enhance yep. that feeling. If you want a game that's just yep. super chill, super laid back, then you need to have like some really smooth edges on things, like, like make it yep. real relaxed and all that. Uh, it just enhances the user experience. Or it destroys it because I've played some games and it's like, wow, this does not line up with what I expected based uh -huh. on the art or based on the graphic design. Like that, that gave me one expectation and the reality is very, very different. And so just knowing yeah. that going in, I think will save uh, a lot of heartache in the end. Because it's, it's like you're saying earlier, you can't undo this stuff. You know, like it's, it's there. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And there's no game that's going to have all the different feelings. I can't think right. of a single game that has all of these different types of things. So if you pick which feeling you want, then you could just really go after that one, run down that road and make everything, your mechanics, your brand, your, the look of the art, the look of the Kickstarter page, the music you use in your video, everything is trying to create this experience. Yeah. And I think defining that experience day one, if you can, like if you can sit down and say, okay, I want my, my players to feel this, to experience this, every other choice can point back to that and, and even yep. write it down. I can't remember who, if it was Jeff Engelstein, somebody talked about like maybe it was, um, Gohova, where you write like a mission statement for your game basically. And, and every design decision, graphic design decision, art decision, everything points back to that mission statement of what you want your players to experience. I think that's really maybe the best way to begin a game. Now, if even, even if you start with a mechanic, right, we'll have this mechanic. Okay. We'll take a step back and go, okay, how, how can I use this in a game? But again, what experience do I want? And does this mechanic line up with that experience? And if not, okay, yep. let's do, do something different. Do uh, go yeah. for a different experience. For Eldorado, we had so many little tiny little fun little um, things we could have done with it, but we, we cut them out and we're like, Maybe for an expansion or something down the road, but this doesn't fit with this experience. And we loved that other idea, but it just didn't fit with it. Yeah, I think designers in a, in a lot of ways are defined by the really good ideas that they say no to. 
like, oh, this is a really cool mechanic. This is great. It doesn't fit this game. I'm going to put that idea on the shelf for a while. I'll come back to it later. As opposed to trying to throw all these different things into a game and it becomes, it becomes a mess. And that's yeah. one of the games I'm working on right now. I'm just trying to cut out as much as I can because I've yeah. added too many things in. Like I added yep, some really yep. cool things in that I love and I enjoy. But when playtesters yep. play it, they're like, this, there's too much. Like I'm, I'm having to think about yeah. too many things. There's too many icons. There's too many whatever. Can you cut this stuff out? And I'm like, no, you just shut up. Play the game better. But I can't do <laughs> I that. I know the know? best way. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. right. And so I'm, I'm working right now to cut out uh, maybe two-thirds of the game and just trying to get down yeah. to that one-third core best part and, and just see where, where it goes from there. And so saying no to things, is it's a good thing. Absolutely. Absolutely. And from a branding perspective, the mechanics and all the the theme of the game, the look, the fonts, the, even the colors and everything, it all points back to that mission statement. Yeah, I want to get into and branding. Be, and oh. that makes it makes it more mem- – oh, sorry to cut you off. The, it makes it more memorable because people aren't going to remember if, if you're all over the place. They're going to remember feeling like they're exploring an island in case of El Dorado or something like that. Yeah, for sure. And I want to get back into branding in just a minute, but let's let's get a couple more questions as far as graphic design. Um, yeah. Let's talk about rule books, right? And how how important graphic design is in a rule book. Like I said, we use three fonts in the rule book, and I've seen some rule books where they're just every every section is a different little font or a different size of font. The rule book is completely functional. People aren't gonna they're not in the game when they're reading the rule book. Right. That that kind of takes it out of it. So having it just functional, having having it super clear, um, boiling it down to two points or um, giant headers on the top. Where you where do you want the person to start? Where do you want them to look first? Make sure that people look there first. <laughs> if everything's the same size on the page, no one's going to know where to start, and they're going to be overwhelmed. If you break it into bite-sized chunks, they'll digest it a lot better. Yeah, for sure. And something you talked about earlier, I think, is so important, like of the utmost importance in a rule book, is guiding the reader, the path that you're guiding them down. Because there's some rule books I've read where, not realizing it, I read step one, step two, step three, step seven, step eight, step nine. And it's like, well, wait, yeah, something like what what happened? But going back in the rule book, like the graphic design, like it led my eye in that pattern, yep. and I just skipped right over a couple key things in the setup or whatever, and like. 20 minutes later, it's like, something is wrong. Like, why is this game broken? Surely yeah. this game is not actually broken. <laughs> yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. And so realizing the path of the reader and using graphic design to guide them down that path, I think that's something a lot of people don't, don't think about. And so what are some tips and tricks as far as ways to guide the reader? Um, colors for our colors, size of fonts. Um, for our game, actually, it's an expo- exploration-based game. So we have those little dots that like it looks like a map where you're yeah. guiding someone mm-hmm. that kind of stuff um just just trying to think of everything you can to get people to look at it and i've given rule books to my wife or to different friends and i i look at their eyes to see where they look first and then i've changed my rule book design based on that because i don't want them to read how combat works before they learn how to gather resources or something. You want to learn in a specific order because when I'm teaching someone the game, I know how to teach it to them the best way so that they can digest it. So it's hard when you're not there, the rule book's the only thing they have. So you have to give it to them in those bite-sized chunks. Yeah. And this thing has to be as clear as it possibly can. Because like you said, you, you can't come with the box. 
Like a little clone of you can't go in every single shipped copy. And so they, they've got this rule book and that's it. And I love the idea of having the little dotted lines, like, like showing, yeah. showing people specifically, here's step one, follow the line to step two, and just making it as easy to understand as, as possible. Now, is there other, could you use arrows? I mean, have you used other things? Yeah, I, and I mean, it's just you, th- you look at it and you think, well, of course they're going to look at it this way. They're, of course they're going to look at this giant <laughs> header first. It's just, it's just not how people work. You have to break it down to like – sometimes when I'm, um, when I'm making a video, and this is, video kind of ties into all this. When I'm making a video, I give it to my two-year-old son and I have him watch it. And I see the exact point where his head starts to turn away and gets bored. Yep. The same thing with, with graphic design and rule books where you, you see exactly what you want to see people – get bored at a specific point. You just, I, I have had a lot of luck giving people rule books and just watching them read it really yeah. just not be, not in a creepy way or anything, but <laughs> just, just giving it to them and watching from a video or something. I know in some of your other shows, people have, they do videos of their blind play tests, yeah. right? And just watching them read the rule book and see where they stop. And then they, where do they stop and start looking at the pieces in front of them? When do they, start moving pieces around. When do they get sick of reading the rule book? That kind of stuff. No, that's a great point because, you know, if I'm reading the rule book and then I look at the board to see what it's talking about, well, hopefully when I come back to the rule book, I go to the place where I left off, but maybe yeah. not, you know, and making it yeah. real clear. Yeah. And like you said, using colors, you know, if, if combat's in red, well, I know, okay, I was reading the red thing. Let me look at the board and I come back. Let me find the red section again because yeah. that's where I yep. was. And just making yep. it super, uh, super simple to find where you left off. Yeah, definitely. Now let's talk about graphic design as far as components go. How do you know? How does that? It's similar, obviously, but how is it also different? I think the rule book has to be completely functional, so just as crystal clear as you can make it. The components can have a little flavor to it. Okay, they have to be simple, obviously, and functional. But you add in those the, those pieces of art, or maybe you add just a little bit of tweak into the fonts to make them a little more exciting, or something like that. You can start to add a little bit more of that um, that theme to it. Yeah, for sure. Now, thinking about it, the rule book's not necessarily the place you want to create the experience for the game. You know, I've yeah. seen some some rule books were written trying to be funny, or written you know with these crazy fonts that were hard to read, like or, or written in like comic book font where every letter is mm-hmm. capitalized. It's yep. like, goodness gracious, this is so difficult to read. Why would you do this? <laughs> and, and I guess they're trying to create that experience right out the box. You yeah. know, like reading yep. the rule book brings you right into the game. I don't mm-hmm. care. I'm not playing the game yet. I'm not in the experience yet. I'm trying to figure this out. And you're like holding me back from the experience when you do that. And so I think that's something for people to, to understand. But like you said, the components, now all of a sudden this is, this is experience. And so it needs to be functional. But now you're really trying to bring people in. And that goes back to what we were talking about earlier as far as the different graphic design choices on there. And so, all right, so let's talk about Kickstarter. You know, your game is coming up on yeah. Kickstarter here. What in your research have you found is working right now from a graphic design standpoint on Kickstarter? So the Kickstarter, when I, so I, this is my first Kickstarter, right? Um, from a marketing perspective, I was super excited to do all these high res pictures and just do all these high res gifts. Kickstarter is only 680 pixels wide. Right. So you can only do so much with it. So it's all about, it's just like, we do a lot of website design. It's guiding the people down the page, and it's in chunks. A lot of people in um, website design, they use WordPress, and WordPress use these rows across the page, and using those rows so people can take it, and the lines of the rows 
show people where to stop and how that section works in the Kickstarter page too. Like I have these rows, I have a dividing line between each section so people can take it in more in bite-sized chunks. Kind of just like the rule book, just breaking it down into bite-sized chunks and starting at the top of what you want them to know first. Yeah, gotcha. And now, is this something you learned just from researching a lot of projects that made a million dollars? Is that kind of thing? How'd you, how'd you figure this well, out? Well, it's, it's a lot of that kind of stuff. And also just um, be, being a creative agency, we know it's the same kind of tips and tricks for yeah. every kind of product. It's just a different platform for the same stuff. It's just getting people the information. Now, how do you get, how do I have a great idea? How do I get people to understand this great idea right. in bite-sized chunks? <laughs> right. So people are people either on Kickstarter or out in the normal yeah, marketing. Exactly. Work. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. So let's talk about, let's talk about branding. We've mentioned this a little bit earlier. Let's talk about the, the relationship between graphic design and branding. And then we'll also get into the, the, the business side of things is Kickstarter and, and having your own company and the importance of branding and all that. But let's start off with why branding is so important. A brand is people remember a brand because it is a feeling hmm. and that's what you want. Like if, we, if you think of Jeep, you think of adventure yeah. and getting out there and they do a great job with that. With any type of game that you're thinking of, you, the creator wants you to feel a feeling just like Jeep wants to fe- for you to feel how you're adventuring in your, but really you're just driving around in a car, but right. you're adventuring because you're in a Jeep. Right. So building all, it's just like we talked about earlier, all having that mission statement will be become your brand and everything points to the brand so everybody feels the same thing. Yeah, talk, thinking about Jeep, if you watch their commercials, 100% of their commercials have a Jeep in some crazy like weather <laughs> yep. or climate yep. or it's like in the middle of like Antarctica. You know? yep. And I'm, I remember watching these in the past and I thought 99.99% of people who buy a Jeep will never, ever even take it off road. <laughs> yep. Like they won't ever even leave yep. pavement, but yet yeah. the commercials are majority wise or, or somebody driving around in the woods or something like that. And it's like, why would they do that? But it's exactly what you're talking about. Cause they want somebody when they get into a Jeep to have that feeling of adventure. And even if they never go on an adventure, well, at least they feel like they could, I'm not, I'm not going to, but I could, if I wanted to, you know, and so yeah. creating that, that feeling or thinking about, uh, so here in Honduras, there's a whole lot of the little little like corner stores or corner market stores that are painted in Coke colors and like big Coke logo and they got the big white stripe. And it is that very, very specific, specific Pantone that is Coke. Like no one else is allowed yeah. to use that, that color red, that shade of red. Yeah. And you see that and you go, man, I could really go for a Coke right now. Like it just like creates <laughs> this feeling. It's like, mm, that would, mm, it would feel so good to have a Coke right yep. now. And all I do is walk by a little corner store. But that color, that brand has created this, this idea, this feeling inside of me. And so how do you do that in a board game? How does the graphic design accomplish that in a game? So just like how people who have Jeeps, they don't go off-roading. Right. If you're if you're playing the island of El Dorado, for example, you're not actually on an island exploring it for the first time. But how do you create that feeling? It's, it's all about everything pointing together. Right. You won't get that feeling if everything points together. It's not. It's not. I can't give you one specific thing you have to do. It's everything has to point together to give one cohesive experience through the whole thing. Yeah, that's a great point. Now let's talk about like how colors and and that kind of thing. How are they? Why are they so important? The so we used only five different base colors for our whole game and a lot of people well like like i said before the zelda magic the gathering thing when you think of magic 
if you start picturing the colors, it's all dulled out colors and all that kind of stuff because it's um, it's more realism. Yeah. And Zelda has all these bright, bold colors because it's this family kind of thing. So just using just it's about thinking about the decisions you're making with the colors. It's there's not going to be green means money all the time. That's not there's a color can mean anything you want it to mean, really. But it's just having that thought go through your mind beforehand. Yeah, and as far as like colors in your brain, like I just talked about with Coke. You see that shade yeah. of red, it's Coke. Now, as far as a board game, though, how, how can you use colors in that same way? Now, obviously, if you're going to do a sequel or you're doing a series, you can do that. But what else? I think a lot of board games have lots and lots of color, and it's not memorable hmm. because they have so many different colors. If you think of a dulled-out red and gold what game pops into your head? Settlers of Catan. Gotcha. Just that kind of stuff. It's 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 building that brand along with it. It's choosing the colors specifically to for a purpose to be memorable. Yeah, I think that's a great point. It's not just throwing colors in there because they're pretty and because it all looks good. I'm thinking about the the comic, like even in comic books, uh, Sin City. You know, it's it's black and yep. white, and then that super like blood red. And you, if you see that. If you were to see a, a any anything right now, you would assume, oh, that must be from Sin City. Like just because the way that art style is, yep. and it's so memorable that if you see it in any other way, any other place, you're like, oh, that's probably from Sin City. Even if it's not, like yeah. you're gonna maybe jump to that yeah. conclusion first off. And so, using colors purposefully, I think is just a, like like you said, it's a really good way to put it. There's a, there's a Kickstarter that's going on right now off the rails, mm-hmm. and it's uh, this little goblin game, and they have. I, sometimes I don't even have to see the name of the game to know which game it is. If I see a picture pop, pop up on my social media and it's bright purple and bright green, I know what it's talking about, and it doesn't even have to say the name. Yeah, and I think that's the power of branding. And we're talking about why you know branding is so important. If you do this well, like you said, you can just have a couple colors pop up, and you're like, oh, this this game, you know, and yep. just kind of yep. embedding that idea in somebody's mind, just the same way that in that color, that shade of red, is embedded in mine forever. You know, growing up in Alabama, living in Atlanta, where Coke is yep. king of all everything. Like, you don't say, do you yep. want a pop? Do you want a soda? No, you say, do you want a Coke? Yes, I'll take a Sprite. Like that's just what you say. Yeah. You know, and yeah, so yeah, yeah. that brand is so just everywhere. If you can kind of create any any semblance of that from your colors your game your logo i think you have accomplished a a pretty cool thing and there's so many games out there there's just so many constantly coming out that if you can pare down your colors to just a couple so people can remember those specific colors you look around and don't don't choose a color that's going to be coming out in kickstarter if you're going to compete if there's going to be a bright purple and bright green game you might not want to use purple or bright green <laughs> yeah for sure now you can't always you know you can't see the future necessarily yeah. and yeah, sometimes yeah. you just run into that just because that's life but but like you said if you can really just on purpose choose these colors and choose these fonts and i think that's the biggest thing being intentional about how you're designing Definitely. the game the colors that you're using the fonts that you're using i think that might be like the, the overall concept of this whole podcast yep. Be intentional about this. Don't just do it because it looks good or because you like it, but be in, as intentional as you possibly can because that's going to lead to a better game, a better brand, a better user experience, maybe even a better company. And let's talk about that as far as branding and your company because uh, now you don't necessarily have to have your, your company colors be your game's colors or anything like that yeah. or branding that way, but how can yeah. branding uh, a game successfully lead to better business? 
I think just having that people mem- will remember it. If you have a brand and it's memorable, which is uh, all great brands are memorable. That's what makes them great brands really yeah. is that you remember one specific thing is people will remember it. If you come back and build a new game and if they remember that same thing, no, it's they'll remember how they'll remember the experience that that brand created. Yeah, for sure. Well, awesome. Dan, you got any like closing advice, any tips and tricks for anybody dealing with graphic design right now? I would just say create a experience. It's all about creating that experience. Everything has to point to one specific experience that you want to do. And not and your game can't create all of the different experiences. You just have to pare it down into one little thing and just find that niche and have all of your design and art and everything point to that one thing. Yeah, that's awesome. You know, a game for everybody is really a game for nobody. So being yep. upfront about who you're trying to reach and, and being intentional about that. Well, awesome, Daniel. Really appreciate the advice, just all the really cool stuff. I learned a lot today. I know that for sure. And uh, good luck with the Kickstarter coming up, and good Thanks. luck with the ad agency and all that good stuff. Hope it goes really well. Thanks, man. Yeah. Thanks. And, Thanks for having me on the show. Yeah, for sure. And now we're about to go over into a bonus round. We're going to talk about social media. We're going to talk about how Daniel got his Facebook group uh, – not group, the Facebook page, from zero to 600 likes in just two months' time. I'm interested to hear kind of how you did that, how you use pictures and how you uh, use graphic design, different things like that, uh, to really enhance your social media presence. So we're going to do that over in the bonus round. But, again, Daniel, thanks for being a, a BGDL community member, and thanks for coming on the show. Thanks a bunch. Thanks for listening. Find all sorts of game design resources, bonus material, and chances to win free games at BoardGameDesignLab.com. And until next time, keep designing, keep playtesting, and keep creating great games. Did I mention keep playtesting?